Welcome to Pivot, a podcast for church leaders, co-sponsored by Luther Seminary's Faith Lead and Lead. Welcome to Pivot, where today's episode is on permanent whitewater. My name is Terry Elton, and I'm from Luther Seminary. I'm Scott Cormode, and I'm from Fuller Seminary. I'm Louise Johnson, and I work with LEAD. So when we were thinking about this episode of Permanent Whitewater, I had a story that was in my family this last week. So my sister-in-law and brother-in-law were here visiting from out of town in, in this COVID time. The Boundary Waters is a great place for vacation. So they, they love the Boundary Waters. And so um, spent about five days up there and we were anticipating their arrival back. It was Sunday and we were kind of waiting all day for this phone call for them. Hey, we're out of the Boundary Waters and on our way. And there's about a five-hour trip. And the day was going longer and longer and longer. And finally got a message from them late afternoon around dinner time. And they had been stuck in a storm for three and a half hours. Now, I have been in the Boundary Waters. Maybe some of others listeners have as well. And I know that uh, kind of panic that comes when you're sitting there and you've got big white caps on the lake and the trees kind of blowing and that wind is in your face. And so the next day when I got a chance to talk with them, they were telling us about this adventure. And they said, we literally sat on this island under this tree for several hours And there was another family, uh, mom and dad, and this younger, like nine-year-old kid along them. And they became quick friends as they were sitting there. And when they finally, after hours, decide to head out onto the lake, and the family was from there, so they were kind of talking routes and whatnot. And they kind of went from one bay to the other, and they were kind of keeping track of each other. And finally, they got to the last kind of island where they could see where they were going out, the outfitter, and they kind of said goodbye and they just put their head down and they just paddled their way over to the outfitter. And as they got there, they were telling the outfitter, you know, go check on this family. I think they're in trouble. And they got, as they were packing up, they, the people took off and went and found them, found that this family had been stuck under a tree holding the branch kind of just holding on for dear life until the storm went. And as they were talking about that, not only did I start putting myself in that place when I've been out in a storm on the boundary waters, but suddenly I realized that's what my life has felt like, not just for an episode in the boundary waters, but like every week, it feels like I'm facing constant winds and changing environments. And maybe there's another family that I haven't met along the way that gets to join me in that. But I feel like then we, after that pause, we get out and we, we navigate it again. And last Friday, I hit a wall. I just thought, I don't know if I can do this anymore. I'm tired of navigating the constant winds and the white water, uh, the white caps that are coming at me day after day after day. Terry, I appreciate that story. I think the image of clinging to the branch in the middle of the storm, I think that's such a a great and apt image for lots of us right now. And 
you know, as I've been in conversation with church leaders across the country, I'm hearing again and again, you know, people that are questioning their calls, people that are just, you know, like you said, they've hit a wall and they don't know what comes next or even how to do it. And some that are even resigning their calls because they've just kind of gotten to the place where they can't, they can't navigate or do it anymore, all of which I understand. And, you know, the sense of being, having these huge leadership challenges, but not being able to uh, not having any bandwidth to learn or to uh, do anything that's new. And then this kind of hyper-connected world. And yet the irony of that is a sense of loneliness and isolation from always having to navigate these unexpected turns that happen when we're in a kind of permanent whitewater. We get this idea of permanent whitewater from a scholar named Peter Vale. And what he talks about is how in the world that used to be, we could think that we were like going down a river. And most of the time, the river had a nice flow to it. And we could take the time to enjoy the scenery and get our bearings. And every so often, there'd be some rapids that we'd come across. And we'd navigate those. And that was kind of thrilling. And then we'd go back to having a chance to get our bearings again. But what he's come to realize is, is that the waves or the various kinds of social change and all the different things that are changing come at us so quickly that it feels like one set of rapids is backed up against another set of rapids against another set of rapids. And we never get a chance to take a deep breath. We never get a chance to enjoy the scenery. We never get a chance to get our bearings. And that's felt really through this, the last 10, 12 weeks of this pandemic. I keep thinking about that image, that just when we think we've got our bearings, just when we think we've made it through the little band of white water that we're encountering, there's just another one in front of us. And with white water, all you can do is you can look 20 feet ahead. You can't look... Uh, and get the and get the big picture. You can't enjoy the scenery, and we're just buffeted. And what do we do in this moment of white water? Well, I've been realizing that what we need is more restorative practices. We need to pull the kayak out of the water more often. If I was just rowing across a lake, I could stop rowing to pause and enjoy the water and just say, "Wow, isn't this great?" But you can't rest on the water when you're always in the rapids. At first in the pandemic, what I would do is I would, use, I, I would use Facebook or other things to keep up with my friends. I'd find some kind of way to be connected with people. Facebook is clearly not the place to go looking for, for connection right now. It's all filled with pain and disunity. So I end up wondering, where do we find these kinds of restorative practices? And how do we think use this metaphor of the permanent whitewater to help us understand it? Because it feels like water is a very biblical image. Yeah, a lot of times when I'm talking with people about leadership, I like this passage from Isaiah 43 that recalls the Exodus and then 
God, God says, behold, I am about to new a new thing. Do you not perceive it? And of course, whenever we, you know, I, I guess six months ago when I was talking about these kinds of leadership changes, you know, when I, I think about God doing a new thing, right, the images that come to mind are of, you know, beautiful spring, that kind of like green that is so fresh and alive that um, you get a sense about even God's practice of resurrection before the life of Jesus, right? It feels life-giving and new. And so I, I love those images. And yet, if you back up to the first part of Isaiah 43, like the first few verses, um, I think that's when God prepares us for what those changes actually look like and feel like. And so I think we're in the midst of a, you know, pun intended, a sea change where there's so much that shifted and changing around us, things that we're not in control of, or we didn't ask for, or didn't instigate. And so it feels pretty chaotic. And I think God names that in those first Verses in Isaiah, when God talks about when you pass through the waters, I will be with you and through the rivers, there it is through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. And of course, the threat is there and God names it. The threat is that the rivers will overwhelm us. But there's a promise inherent in that too. And we'll get to that a little bit later. But I think the the piece that I appreciate about this text is that it names that we go through the river, right? We don't go around it. We don't walk a bridge above it or a tunnel underneath it. Um, That's for you New Yorkers out there. But in fact, um, we go through the river. And so, you know, the chaos that's swirling around us, the, uh, the fear, the danger, all of that is part of what God names as our experience of change in the world. It's funny, as you're talking about going through the river, normally when we say go through the river, we think I'm on this bank, and then I have to go as beeline straight across as quickly as I can to the other side. But so much of the image that we're using is, no, actually, we have to go down the river. We have to be on the river. The river takes us from the place God has us now to the place God is taking us to, and we've got to ride the river. And It used to be you'd ride the river a short distance, and then you'd feel like, okay, now I can take a deep breath. But now the river's long, and it's difficult. And, you know, I think about my own restorative practices and how important it is to to have those. You know, the idea, for me, the idea of Sabbath is Sabbath is a healthy rhythm of labor and rest, a healthy rhythm of being on the river and off the river. And before the pandemic, I had a series of restorative practices, none of which are available to me now. I used to go out to dinner with friends. My wife and I would love to go out to dinner with friends. And I found that deeply restorative, not doing that right now. Uh, I, we used to try and get away every so often. I uh, can't do that right now. One of the things I'd love to do is watch sports in the evening. And that would kind of let my brain unwind. Can't do that right now. Then every Monday night and every Tuesday and Thursday at noon, I'd play basketball. I had a bunch of guys I'd play basketball with. I haven't played basketball since the the week all of this started. And so I had all these restorative practices built into place, and none of them are available to me. And if you ask me what any given day is like, I feel like a lump. I get up in the morning, my wife and I take a walk, and then I spend my day sitting at my desk. And then in the evening, we maybe take a walk, and then we watch a little TV, and the day is over. And if it's a one day or a Tuesday or a Thursday 
or you know Saturday, whatever it is, it looks pretty much the same. And I'm, I, I've, I've been trying to figure out what to do because on the one hand, I feel like I've got to find better ways to, to restore, but I have to stay sheltering. I have to, to stay this way because my parents are immunocompromised and my siblings both work with the public. So I'm the primary caregiver for my parents. And so I have to stay in this little place. And uh, I found myself saying something like, being responsible means being alone. And I just, I can't figure that one out. And I've been trying to figure out how to think about how to use this metaphor of the, the river to help us. And there's a commercial on TV right now for a Corona beer where they talk about find your beach. Now for them, a beach is young, good looking people in uh, Baja, California drinking beer. That's probably not what I mean here, but I need to find some place where I can take my boat out of the water and take a moment to rest. And for me, that means literally getting out of my house. And so where can I go? Well, I found a place. It could be a park. It could be, you know, you know, whatever, where I know I need to get out of my home. And what I do is I set up a little lawn chair and I need to be able to have some time to walk, some time to rest and just not do anything, some time to read and some time to write. Now, I got to admit that I bring a book because it makes it me feel productive. And I'll often read like a page and a half of the book and then write three pages in my journal or something like that because I need a space to be able to get off the water and just reflect. This is the, this is the world we live in. We are being swept away by the water. And if we don't find a place to get out of the water, we got to find our beach. Otherwise, it's going to overwhelm us. Yeah, boy, I can really resonate with that, Scott. I think for the first months of pandemic, I just thought, well, this is, I've kind of pushed pause on the, you know, on the record of my life, on the tape of my life. And I, I thought about, well, it doesn't matter like what today looks like because, you know, I'm just in an interim time. It's just a transition and you know, I, I'm just waiting until, and I, I suppose that could have been an okay strategy were this all to have ended in May or June, but here we are at the end of July and there's no, uh, there's no end in sight. And in fact, I heard a medical professional slash would be writer on NPR the other day, describe a kind of futuristic world in which we're all still wearing masks, though they're a kind of virtual thing and we have things implanted in our heads and we're um, distant in all kinds of ways. And anyway, that this becomes a kind of permanent reality. And I hated that. And yet at the same time, it was kind of a wake up call, right? That my life is not something that's going to pick up again in three months or six months or a year from now, but my life is happening right now. And so what does it look like, right? How do I begin to navigate and understand and uh, live in the now? And so I, I'm trying to, one of my disciplines is I, I'm trying to wake up every day and ask myself, you know, what does it look like to live today? How do I live today? And that, that emphasis on that word live. You know, when I took a, uh, I took a course in college, a, a kayaking 
canoeing class in college. And um, one of the things that we learned was to look for the V's. And um, so if you think about the letter V, the V's that were where the, the narrow end was facing toward you meant that there was something just beneath the surface of the river. And the V's that where the wide end was pointed toward you were the V's that helped you know where the river was flowing. And so when the V's were, the wide end was pointing toward you, you wanted to go with the flow. You wanted to to actually paddle into that V um, so that you could um, move with the river and not fight it so much. But when there were views where the narrow end was pointing, it was a sign that there was something just beneath the surface. And that, be, that, that to me, that's come to mind a lot these days. I actually was rafting once and we hit a rock that was just beneath the surface. And I popped out of the boat and it happened so fast. Fortunately, I had a, a boatmate who grabbed a hold of my life preserver and I didn't end up having to negotiate a, a class for rapid out of a boat but it happened really fast. And I feel like that's such a, uh, an apt metaphor for the time we're living in is that we're, we're looking for all of these V's for the, the danger that's just beneath the surface that keeps popping up. I keep thinking about what do we call the things that are just below the surface? Uh, I was talking to a friend of mine who's a pastor in uh, the uh, southeastern part of the country and he, I, I said, no, how are things going? He says, well, I'm doing pretty good given the fact that I'm navigating the four crises. I said, what do you mean the four crises? And he said, well, we have a medical crisis, we have an economic crisis, we have a racial crisis, and we have a political crisis. He told me that about two, three weeks ago, and I find that I have been reflecting on that almost every day since. Any one of those four crises would be front page news every day if it was just by itself, just the medical crisis, just the economic crisis, just the racial crisis, just the political crisis. But having all four, those are the rocks that are channeling the river and it's buffeting us back and forth and back and forth. I was thinking about this and it might change the metaphor a little bit, but it's almost like moving to a house. And what's exhausting is, is carrying all the boxes, what, deciding where things go, putting away, you know, you know, putting away groceries in a familiar place, that's pretty easy. That's like canoeing on a lake. But the whitewater is, we just don't know where everything is. It, it, it takes different rhythms. And we live with these four crises. And we can't get our head around any of them. And the fact that we can't get our head around any of them means that we can't, every time we start to deal with one, we've got the other ones just smacking us about. You know, Scott, I too realized last Friday when I kind of hit that wall that I've been living very isolated because of responsibility with family members. And you're talking about the rocks just below the surface kind of opened up for me the fact that part of what has been exhausting is that at any moment in time, in this pandemic, I'm probably dealing with at least two of those crises at the same time. One might be a little bit bigger, right? It may be named a medical thing at that time, or there may be a um, political thing below right next to it or something like that. But 
for me, the complexity of this time, it's not just the wave after wave, but it's the pausing and saying, which crisis is primary right now? Which one gets most of my attention? Last weekend, I uh, didn't bring a pad with me, uh, Scott, but I did, and I did read more than three pages. I read the whole book. I, I had a evening to myself, which in this pandemic has happened twice. And what I chose to do was immerse myself in another land. And it was in this book by Jennifer Garvey Berger called Unlocking Mind Traps. And she's a person that talks about leadership and complexity. So I had got this book for a potential class that I'm using in a class. But she talks about there are five mind traps that leading or navigating complexity we get caught in. And the first one I think fits with what we're talking about. And the trap is we want to create a simple story. Our mind wants to simplify things so we can get our head around things. So we naturally go to taking complexity and making it simple. So when I'm trying to navigate my in-laws coming back from being in the South and trying to figure out all the ways of that, my instinct is to go simple and to make it either or, or this thing or this thing. When the reality is, it is super complex and it's much more than one decision. As I reflect on this COVID time and as I reflect on leading in this time and as I reflect on the George Floyd moment that happened in Minneapolis that continues to be in front of us as we have rioting continuing around the country I can't hold all of those things in me at the same time, all the time. But to recognize they are just below the surface and certain things happen and one is taking, rising up for the other. So what that book did for me was remind me that I have agency Just because we're wired for simplicity doesn't mean we can't learn to deal with complexity. But I know that I have to have some different capacities, exercise some different muscles than I did before. So I've tried to figure out where can I do the kind of good? Where can I live the kind of life that you said, Louise? My values haven't changed. The opportunity to live those out in a particular way is what has happened. So in the midst of all of what we're going through, I broke my arm. And biking is my restorative practice that was available to me at the beginning of COVID and is now not. And so I've had to say exercising my body is still a value. How am I going to do that? So I have had to figure out anew what that looks like. And I think the same when it comes to leading. When I listen to pastors around me, I am empathetic with the struggles and I get the weariness. But I've also seen some really gems. One of our graduates and his congregation have done this amazing thing car ride with clergy. And in the midst of all of these, complex things, they have found a way to speak into through story and visiting other ministries and interviewing other ministry leaders. 
some really life-giving ways to think about being a person of faith, being a congregation, and what scripture says for us at this time. And I love looking for what he's going to do next or what that congregation is going to do next. And I'm reminded I too can have agency in all of this. So my pivot has been, how do I move from the old way of understanding it for me, a simple story to making this more of of a complex story and then finding my agency through it. So what are the takeaways we have for this week? I think one of the ones that um, occurs to me is this thing about the flow of the river, about looking for the Vs that you steer into. It reminds me of a friend who was telling me about um, a river that he used to go tubing on outside of San Antonio and that um, several years ago there was a big flood and it flooded the river and it actually changed the entire flow and course of the river so that, you know, the, the company that had the tubing operation, right? Had They had to move all the signs and like where you put in and took out and what legs of the river you could um, navigate and all of that had just changed completely. The river changed. And I, and I feel like that's what's happened to us, right? There's been this uh, kind of flood in the river. We don't know the river anymore. And so what does it look like to navigate a new river and to move with the flow of the river? And I feel like the, the practice that's in front of us is about remembering the claim that God has. So in that same Isaiah text, God begins with, um, I have called you by name and you are mine. So not only do we belong to God through and through from beginning to end, but in fact, God has called us to this time and this place and this work. So I think Terry, for me, that's the that's the root of agency, right? That's the part that helps us um, when we know that we're called to be in it. It gives us strength and perspective to navigate in a different kind of way. And how is it that we learn to let go of our where we thought the river was going. (laughs) And so if I have a picture in my mind of a river that I've been on lots of times and I expect it to go that way and the river's completely changed, I'm going to be in a lot of trouble. But if I can let go enough and be led by the spirit and to go in directions and in places and to do things that I never expected that I would do or that I was called to do or would be part of what my life would be like if I can let go enough and lean into the spirit, the big wide V of the spirit um, and go with the flow of the river, that there might just be life in that. I love that image of going with the flow and that curiosity about this is a different river, a different time. I think of, for me, I have had to rediscover my own agency because there are so many things out of my control. I've had to figure out what do I have a choice on and what do I get to influence and what do I not. And a couple things have come to mind. The first part of that is it goes back to our episode on lament. I've had to time and time again, name my sadness, my grief of not playing basketball with, or in whatever the, the restorative practices were for me of naming those, but then of also saying, and so how, what can I do? What are the opportunities? And I've noticed that in that, not only has that been about me, but because I live in community and because 
myself and others in my house are responsible for other people. We've had to have a family meeting the other night, or I've had to do that on the phone with people that I don't live with to navigate how will we be together so that we can be life-giving for each of us. What I have to claim what I need, like I need to get out and to do some exercise. This is what's available to me. How does that put others at risk or not? And to work through that in community. So for me, I have really tried to say, what do I have choice with and who do I need to navigate so I can get what I need in in the people that are in my communities that I serve and I live with? So for me, the takeaway is about reinventing my restorative practices. I had a rhythm in my life. It no longer works. Truth be told, my rhythm in my life at the time probably didn't work all that well either. But now it really doesn't work. And so I have to find my beach. I have to find some kind of way to get the, bo- get the boat out of the water long enough to relax. And you know, for me, it's taking a lawn chair to a park or something and taking a book and something to write with and just being physically separate. Now, I know that can't work for everybody. I'm picturing somebody who's sitting here, yeah, I've got four little kids at home. Um, I'll just leave them to do whatever they want while I go to the park. Yeah, that's not going to happen. And, you know, I know I was at the park yesterday. I saw that they've kind of, at least our park, they've taken all this tape and put it around all the the swings and everything. So the kids can't go to the park. Uh, So that's not going to work very well for, for some people. I recognize that, but you asked Terry about where do I have choice? Mm -hmm. I have choice about finding my beach. I have choice about saying, What can I do to find something restorative? And most of the things that I've thought of that are restorative in the past have always been in community. Yet I'm not allowed to be in community right now. And so I really have to be careful figuring out how to reinvent my my restorative practices because I can't simply say, well, this is one of those moments when I'm swimming across a river and I'll just keep swimming until I get to the other side. And every time I look up, I think it's going to be just another couple of weeks. And it turns out it's going to be another couple of months. And it turns out it's going to be who knows how long. And I just don't have the stamina to just keep churning in the water. So for me, it's it's finding a way to reinvent my restorative practices. So the three uh, takeaways we've had are about going with the flow, about where do you have choice, and about reinventing your restorative practices. Thanks for being with us this week. We look forward to talking to you next week. Thanks for joining us for this episode of our Pivot podcast. For more leadership resources from LEAD, you can go to waytolead.org, or from Faith Lead, go to faithlead.luthersem.edu.